0: Welcome to the Together for Good podcast brought to you by Bethany Lutheran Church in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado. Today's episode is a talk about Holy Week. Pastor Gary and I sit down to discuss the finer details of this sacred week within the Christian calendar. Talk about some of the worship services that take place, but also the idea as a whole and how this Holy Week can help prepare us for the Easter season. Along the way, we also mentioned some practices that we offer up to you as possibilities for further enhancing your experience of Holy Week this year. Hope you enjoy it a lot. I hope that it does give you some new things to think about and some new ideas and observances about this entire season for this year and future years. Without further ado, here's Pastor Gary and myself talking about Holy Week. Hello everyone and welcome to another podcast. I'm sitting here with Pastor Gary. And as we are on the Monday of Holy Week, we thought it would be a very good idea to walk through the entirety of Holy Week and to talk about this very sacred time in the Christian calendar. Many of the different pieces that go along with it and how it lines up with the Jesus story, along with a whole bunch of um, fun facts about things you may not have known uh, related to the Holy Week journey and some resources as well. We're gonna be really intentional about trying to give you some suggestions for ways that you can more fully engage your observance of Holy Week this year. So Pastor Gary, why don't you start us off? What do we need to know about Holy Week before we really get in, dive into the details?
1: So what you need to know is it's the Monday of Holy Week, which means yesterday on Sunday, we celebrated what was Palm Sunday for many 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 years and we've recently created that or transformed it into passion sunday part of that was the very reality that some people weren't able to get to worship for all of the different aspects of holy week and yet we wanted you to know jesus passion before going into jesus resurrection so you'll see even here at bethany a couple of years will go through the passion cycle on Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday, and then usually in that uh, every third year, highlight simply the idea of Palm Sunday and what all of that meant. But part of that is so that you would know that you're you're totally immersed in that passion story. Now, the next thing that happens, of course, is you can say, well, then we had Sunday and now nothing happens until Thursday, Monday, Thursday. But if you look in scripture, you'll realize that there's a several chapters in any given gospel, two, three, even maybe four chapters between Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday. It's in this time that there's great devotional material for you, because all Jesus was doing was hanging around Jerusalem, teaching his disciples and anybody else who would listen, which obviously <laughs> were large crowds because you had so many people coming into Jerusalem for the Passover. And it's wonderful teachings about how you prepare for this next stage of your life. He was preparing the disciples for the next stage of their life, knowing he would only be with them for really a matter of days. Yeah, and I like
0: how that's all the preparation that Jesus is doing. And yet in the same sense, that's very much the, the, the meta design of Holy Week as well, <laughs> yeah. is that we walk through these last moments of Jesus's life all as a way to better prepare us for the Easter celebration. And and going back to your original point about this shift from a Palm Sunday to a Passion Sunday, and that's kind of taking place throughout Christendom. We used to just celebrate Palm Sunday, and you'd read the very short passage where Jesus enters and they wave palm branches, uh, and it would feel like a normal Sunday in a lot of ways, this triumphant end to the Lenten journey that's a little more joyful than previous weeks. But people started to realize, folks were coming on Palm Sunday, (laughs) And then they were coming on Easter Sunday, but they didn't come to any of the Holy Week services in between. And if that's you, it's okay. We forgive you. We understand. But in the same sense, the stuff that happens in between is so important for preparing you for the Easter celebration. And so over the years, it's shifted to this reading of the whole passion story on that Sunday, that first Sunday of Holy Week, where you can then get information about Jesus's betrayal, his trial, and his crucifixion, because that's all essential for fully entering into the joy of Easter as well. If you just go from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, you kind of just think Jesus had it easy, right? They welcomed him as a king and they waved palm branches and then he rose from the dead, it's great. Um, But there's some important pieces in between there that help make the whole story make sense. And so that's also really part of what Holy Week allows us to do as a congregation and as a church is through these liturgical movements, these worship services, We fully enter into the story and and experience it one day at a time in a lot of ways, too. And so you're right. We have Palm Sunday slash Passion Sunday. And then there's nothing, no service until Thursday. But I think that's a great devotional practice you're recommending is, well, what Jesus did before Monday, (laughs) Thursday is he was teaching in the synagogues and teaching his disciples. And so that's a great thing to immerse yourself
1: in here on this Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday of Holy Week. Which is why I think looking at the Passion account on the Sunday is so important. And the reason we like to do that is because we know a lot of people will be there. Passion Sunday is one of the highest Sundays of the church year outside of Easter usually. Mm -hmm. And part of what we want is for you to feel like you are a disciple, that you're on this journey. So that's why in this early week you want to know what what would Jesus be teaching me if I were there this week? What would Jesus want me to know? And so part of it is getting yourself away from watching the story and allowing yourself to become a part of the story. That's what I think is so essential about Holy Week, is this is not a movie that's that's playing out and you're watching others, but that you're engaged in it. That when we say Jesus taught his disciples, we are talking about you. We're not talking about 12 people who lived 2,000 years ago. We're talking about you as a part of the story. And there's something really brilliant and beautiful,
0: too, that the way the church helps you do a lot of this is through worship. And that by entering the story and experiencing the story, that is an act of worship as well. And so we have these specific services that only come up once a year during Holy Week. And it's an act of worship, and it's a worship service, oftentimes with hymns and a sermon and prayers, but kind of designed and connected to the last moments of jesus's life the last week of his life yeah so that we enter into it in a worshipful way um personally and, and experience it devotionally which brings us to the first worship service within the holy week well we've talked about palm sunday yeah but then on maundy thursday the thursday of holy week is one of these times when there is a specific church service set aside a specific liturgy uh they recommend you use and it's connected to that Thursday um, in Jesus' last week of life, when he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room, and he washed their feet, and he celebrated the first uh, Holy Communion with them. Except, Pastor Gary, those all don't happen in one gospel passage, <laughs> no, do they? they? do <laughs> In fact, no
1: gospel writer uh, uh, accounts both of those, or records both uh-huh. of those accounts. Uh, the Gospel of John records Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Now, he does talk about the Passover meal, but only as a Passover meal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all account for Jesus sharing bread and wine, saying, this is my body, this is my blood, but none of those three mention foot washing. But what is so important (laughs) is that this concept of that night, in any case, it was the Passover. That's the thread that draws them together, is that it was in the Passover meal, Either that Jesus has celebrated that first communion or that Jesus washed the feet. Likely both, but neither gospel writer connected those as connecting events. But what I love about no matter which way you go is that they're both tactile events for us today. You know, you receive actual bread and wine. It's a physical event. Or you get your feet washed. It's a physical event. Mm. I don't know how you could immerse yourself in the story more than actually receiving Physical bread and wine are actually having your foot washed by somebody else. That's a really great point. And connected to all of this as well, I mean,
0: that's, it's also, those are also actions that Jesus commanded us to do. Right. I I always like to point that out that we often connect sacraments in these ways to things that Jesus commanded us to do. Commanded us, right? Do this in remembrance of me in reference to communion. And at the foot washing in John 13, that's where that's written down, he talks about like, if if i do this to you you should do this for for one another right, as well. Right. And so it's also that neat connection too of living out the commands of Jesus as well as the physical element to it all.
1: Right. So yeah, so talking about Monday in case you missed Good, it along yeah. the way, Monday means command. So it's the it is the Thursday night where Jesus commanded us in a way to live like Jesus. Right. Well, and as
0: a kid, I often thought it was called Monday Thursday, <laughs> yeah. that's not it, it's Maundy, it's a Latin word, M-A-U-N-D-Y, which means command, yes, the right. Command Thursday. Yeah. And so in typical years here at Bethany, our Maundy Thursday liturgy would include foot washing. Right, we would do that. This year, pandemic year, uh, we're, you, we're just going to have a live stream of that worship service, It's hard to do foot washing through a live stream, so as we've already talked about, there's two different aspects to this Thursday night. There's the foot washing, and there's also the communion, and we're going to focus more this year on the communion piece of it, because we couldn't logistically figure out how to do foot washing (laughs) over a live stream.
1: And there's something about focusing on communion. When the command typically takes us toward the foot washing, but I like... Uh, what you said, Pastor Nate, is that Jesus' command was to do this in remembrance of me. So it does set us up to understand that we are completely a part of this story. That when we talk about Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me, he's not really saying reenact this. He is saying, be a part of this. And it's very different than saying, go back and act like you're my disciples. No, Jesus is inviting us to be his disciples. Well said. That's an important distinction.
0: The other neat piece to Monty Thursday that I always like to point out for folks, on Ash Wednesday, way back at the beginning of our Lenten journey, we take part in a very long, extended confessional time. It's a good way to prepare for the Lenten season and the Lenten fast. And we confess our sins. And if you look back at your bulletin or the live stream from that day, (laughs) you'll notice that we really confessed as many sins as we could think of and spent a long time focusing on that. And then on Monday Thursday, we have a, a longer time for confession and absolution as well, and that's intentional. You'll you'll hear Pastor Gary's going to lead the confession and forgiveness on Monday Thursday, and he kind of there's a specific intro you're supposed to use on that worship service that kind of ties the whole Lenten season together. Right. As we as we complete the Lenten journey and head to the great three days, it's called the the Triduum. These uh, three holy celebrations of Holy Week this is kind of the conclusion of that lenten journey as we enter into this final week of jesus's life so it's just it's a neat little piece um for some folks out there some people just think it's uh
1: me babbling um <laughs> i always like that part of the, the connection point between yeah. the two so so for this year maundy thursday uh, we want you to have a couple of options obviously our live stream worship at six thirty. Uh, some of you know uh, we have a smaller groups coming in during the day just to receive communion right around the altar. We'll be sitting really close to the altar here at Bethany. There's still a way to sign up for a couple mm-hmm. of those spots yet. But also we'll re-release or make the link available to that which Pastor Nate put out last year in the making of communion bread with his own family. Again, a real way to immerse yourself in a very tactile way to experience that sense of making unleavened bread, part of the Passover meal that connects us now to the holy communion meal
0: right, and so as you 're listening to this podcast in the show notes i 'll include a link to that video it's it 's not too awful long of yeah, my family and I making communion bread. It might be a great thing for you to do with your family or loved ones in preparation for our Monday Thursday live stream service, which by the way is going to really focus on two this connection between Passover and communion. That's really where we're deciding to focus ourselves. And that is an important point. As we think about reliving and being a part of this last week of Jesus's life, it's important to remember the whole reason Jesus went to Jerusalem was to, yes, die on the cross, Mm -hmm. um, as he kept telling his disciples, but was also for the celebration of Passover. Passover looms large over the entire Holy Week experience, this last week of Jesus's life. Uh, It is the high holiday in the Jewish faith, and Mm. it was why Jesus and his disciples were first sharing a meal on that Thursday night, uh, which then became communion.
1: Yeah, and in a sense, the great theme of the Old Testament is now becomes one of the primary themes of Jesus' Passion Week. And we don't want to say any more about it because yeah, we'll we're going to say a lot away. about it on, on Thursday as part of our sermon
0: together there. But which leads us now into Good Friday. And oftentimes on a Monday Thursday service, the, the service will end with Jesus going to the garden and maybe even being arrested, depending yeah. on how you tell the story or how you want to tell it each each week. And, and, and as a matter of fact, again, not to give too much away, <laughs> but we do end by singing Go to Dark Gethsemane yeah. this Monday Thursday which then it helps create that connection. And very much so the idea is that the worship is continuing, that, that while Monday, Thursday's liturgy is concluded and that service has ended, it's actually just going to continue the next day with Good Friday. The two are inherently linked and connected. Yeah.
1: And so then what happens on Good Friday, Pastor Gary? So on Good Friday, there are some pivotal things that we experience. And part of Good Friday is to really understand the depths of despair. The despair that Jesus felt personally, the way that we make that known visually, but also the way that we would say, I want to know a little bit about what Jesus was feeling, thinking, expressing during that time. So oftentimes in Monday, Thursday, we do center on the crucifixion, but not just that, but around the emotions that centered around it. We look at the disciples, we look at what Jesus said in in that time period, Uh, what did he say even as he was hanging on the cross Mm -hmm. and dying, and the emotions that carry through, and then other characters around it, even as we get to the end, Joseph of Arimathea and so forth. The the way that so many people were involved in that, and all of it really geared for us to, to draw you into the very foot of the cross good friday again is not about watching a video of what happened with jesus at the cross it's about ourselves walking right up to the cross and knowing that our emotions are laid bare there as well and it's really
0: incredible that the church creates this as part of our yearly rhythm and calendar and it and really essential too it's it's why palm sunday becomes passion sunday is because we need to remember Jesus' self-sacrificing death and, and the emotions and the reality uh, and the weight of this sacrifice on the cross. Yeah. And, and skipping over it is what we want to do the rest of the year, anyways. <laughs> we hold grief and death at yeah. such an arm's length in our culture. And I, I understand why these are hard, heavy topics, but Good Friday is a, is a safe space. Where we are invited to enter into those places knowing that God is already there too. And that's really what theologically lives at the heart of Good Friday is that Jesus is a human, God incarnate, who's experienced the breadth of our emotions and, and, and lived through betrayal and abandonment and pain and sorrow and suffering and even death. And still somehow God is there in those difficult moments. And that just, as Lutherans, it really lives at the
1: heart of our theological commitments too. Um, So go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, as we talk about, we have a theology of the cross. Uh, Counter to some churches where you'll hear a theology of glory. Now, we understand that resurrection could be a theology of glory, but part of that tries to skim over the fact that we believe in a god who understands the importance of sacrifice Mm -hmm. we believe in a god who understands that human emotions are real that they're raw and they're to be experienced because god experiences those same emotions so we can't skip over them we can't believe that faith in god means that as long as we have enough faith everything will always work out well for us and it's really easy then when things don't work out because then all the pastor has to say to you is well yeah, you might just had not had enough faith for that moment. And I, I, we would say it the other way. When you experience those rawest of emotions, we would say God was right there with you. Mm-hmm. And that is a theology of the cross. Understanding mm-hmm. that sacrifice actually changes how we think about our relationship to the world and how we think about our relationship to God along the way.
0: The Apostle Paul writes a lot in his letters uh, along these lines. He never uses the title, Theology of the Cross. That comes from Martin Luther. But he does talk about how the cross seems like a stumbling block to many. It seems foolish. It seems shameful. Yet it is the site of God's great victory. And it's that paradox that lives at the heart of our Christian faith that, that seems so hard to wrap our minds around, and yet is what makes Good Friday so essential and important and such a cornerstone is that you you can't have the resurrection if you don't have the death uh,
1: you, <laughs> yeah. you can't right that's right what, you <laughs> can't be resurrected from life <laughs> you, you know you have to know that that was there
0: and and it does give way we've been talking a lot all lent about how important a lenten season is uh, this time of fasting and self-reflection and repentance for preparing you for the joy of Easter all yeah, anew. Yeah. And Good Friday is that times 10, where, where when we can really enter into the themes of this day and the raw emotion of this day, it makes the glory of Easter morning all the more powerful and amazing. And so just personally speaking, a personal, feel free to, to steal this as well. One thing that I've been committed to for the past several years is on good friday and then usually on that saturday and maybe i'll even start it on monday thursday i try to find a book during holy week that deals with some sort of heavier topic uh this year i'm hoping i haven't found a copy of it yet i thought i had one i want to read c.s lewis's a grief observed which i've read before but deals with you know his his sense of loss and grief and uh, allowing myself through the reading of this short book to more fully enter into the difficult themes, all as part of my preparation for Easter as well, and so I offer that to you. Another piece, Pastor Gary last year put together a Good Friday video that walks through a lot of the last moments of Jesus's life, the last words of Jesus, but it includes pictures of those spots in Jerusalem during your trip there. Right. And so we'll also in the show notes include a link to that video if you want to rewatch that one because that's also just another great way. To more fully understand and visualize and experience these moments of Jesus' life. Yeah. Which leads us to Saturday. <laughs> right. What happens on Saturday?
1: Well, there are some purists out there who would still say, Pastor Gary, Pastor Nate, you must have an Easter vigil service, which is a very long worship service. <laughs> um, if you do it right, it takes about three hours. And surprisingly, You don't get 600 people to show up for it um, (laughs) as, as a course of action. And so it's still out there. You could probably Google Easter Vigil and go through a little time yourselves. And it really was only a matter of a few years ago that Bethany stopped participating in a kind of Easter Vigil. And the reason for that was really quite practical. There are a lot of people who can't be a part of and Sunday morning Easter festival worship, mm-hmm. but can make one on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And we realized there was a lot more interest in celebrating a Saturday night Easter festival than a Saturday night Easter vigil. The reason the vigil is still important is because it walks us through that story of salvation.
0: Yeah.
1: Unfolds that. the twelve During the Easter
0: vigil service, You there are 12, you heard me, 12 <laughs> assigned readings. On a Sunday morning, we might have three, maybe four. But on Easter Vigil, you have 12, but they're each specifically chosen, and it does recount the history of God saving God's people in many and various different ways. I think you get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Oh, yeah, I think maybe you, that's you From the book the, of Daniel? Yeah. That's, a, that's an obscure story you don't hear the rest of the year. Uh, and so that's really the, the theme of it, is that on this Vigil night, as you are waiting and watching at the tomb, um, thinking, thinking that hope has been lost, there are these glimmers of it, and there's this reminder of the history of salvation and all the ways that God has saved God's people, even when it seemed most hopeless. And so that's part of what you're keeping watch for. And it does kind of lead into a, a reference or a hat tip to the resurrection, it I does, believe, by yeah. the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, three hours and 12 readings, um, <laughs> perhaps start, it's it works to... Um, to have a, a very practical uh, Easter celebration on Saturday nights for those who might have to work on Sunday mornings
1: uh, or otherwise. So here at Bethany Naira, Saturday nights are full Easter fell uh, festival worship services. It's uh, the, the same bulletin that you would experience on Sunday morning, the same hymns, the same wonderful music, Rick at the organ, all of that's a part of that because if you are a part of our culture today, like as I mentioned, not everybody is available Sunday mornings. We have people who work in healthcare, we have per- people who work in hospitality hey, I work on Sunday morning, yeah. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we really would say, why would we limit our opportunity to celebrate the great festival of the church year to just a couple hours on a Sunday morning when Saturday night's perfectly available to us and you will feel all of the joy of the resurrection, whether you're here Saturday night or on Sunday morning as part of worship. And so that gives you some idea about Holy Week.
0: We're not going to say too much about Easter because we're not there yet. (laughs) All of this stuff that comes before it is so important and so essential and helps us, as we've been saying all along, more fully experience the joy and the promise and the majesty of Easter morning. One little final fun note, we're going to say alleluia an awful (laughs) lot on Easter morning. And part of the practice has been to not say that word throughout the Lenten season. It's it's one form of a Lenten fast because this is the biblical word of highest praise to God. And so you reserve your alleluia's and your highest praise for that Easter morning, that glorious promise that God does bring life from death, that that death does not have the final word. Even as hopeless as it seemed on Good Friday, the empty tomb of Easter morning is such a big and powerful promise.
1: Anything to add, Pastor? So, so we want you to be a part of that, not as an observer. We -hmm. invite you into a disciple, uh, into discipleship this Holy Week. Uh, Allow the story to be your story, a a relational story between you and God, between you and Jesus. So that when we do come to that Easter festival, you know you will know that you are a, a part of the resurrection, fully immersed in the joy of that day.
0: So have a blessed holy week and a joyful easter thanks for listening to the podcast everyone we hope to see you at many of these offerings in the days ahead blessings to all of you stay in peace